0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This is, of course, our annual Thanksgiving Day show. We have a program that airs on Thursday afternoon. Pretty much once a year, you're going to have a show on Thanksgiving And we do like to take the time, at least once a year, to thank all of you listening who are doing your job because you have to today. After all, if you're working in a firehouse, working in a hospital, working in a police station, working in the media at a newspaper or radio station, you're probably doing so because life goes on 24 hours a day. Holidays come and go throughout the year, but inevitably... Every holiday, somebody has to work. So if you're listening to this program on the job, and we hope some of you are, maybe between those emergency calls down at police dispatch, etc., well, this would be a good time to just say thanks for what you do. This is a fact of life we should not take for granted. If you're driving around right now, you have to keep in mind that the gas stations are open because someone's there manning the pumps. And uh, we know you're listening to the radio right now, so... You know, thank the people that are making that happen. We're going to try and keep things light on today's program. After all, it is a holiday. It has become a tradition on this show to air our favorite excerpt from Ira Glass's This American Life. We haven't played this on every Thanksgiving show, but we've played it on more than a few. And since Ira Glass is coming to Grass Valley on December 3rd, it'll be appearing at the Center for the Arts in cooperation with Capitol Public Radio. Well, this just might be a great time to remind you of the great work he does. This is our favorite segment of the many wonderful segments that have appeared on This American Life. So let's begin this program the way we like to begin every program, with a look back at history. You can always find interesting things that took place on the 366 dates of the year. Some, as we've discovered, more interesting than others. Today's a pretty interesting day, though the date being the 24th of November. It was on November 24th in 1642 that the Dutch navigator Abel Tasman discovered an island that he named Von Diemen's Land after his captain. It was later renamed Tasmania. Tasmania is perhaps most famous for having given the world the actors Errol Flynn and the Tasmanian Devil. And while there is such a real thing as the Tasmanian Devil, he's nothing like the Warner Brothers character. On November 24th, 1903, Clyde J. Coleman of New York City received a patent for an automobile electric self-starter. It was eventually modified and first installed on Cadillacs in 1912. Mr. McMillan, you have an appropriate sound effect? Thank you, sir. It's it's those little touches that round out the program, wouldn't you say? Now I'm going to suggest that our good friends over at Insight take up this habit. All right, on November 24th 1947, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to approve citations of contempt against 10 Hollywood writers, directors, and producers who had refused to cooperate in hearings dealing with communism in the movie industry. As a result, Hollywood quickly established its blacklist, a collection of names of Hollywood personalities suspected of having communist ties. We refer you in relation to that to our interview with actor Norman Lloyd, who was... For a time period, tarred by that brush, despite the fact that his left-wing connections were tenuous at best. Luckily for Mr. Lloyd, Alfred Hitchcock came to the rescue. Here's one for, uh, you older baby boomers. November 24th, 1962, the English satirical television program, that was the week that was, first broadcast. It broke new ground in TV production and introduced personalities David Frost and John Cleese to the public. Those of you old enough to remember this show, no doubt do so fondly. It was certainly a precursor to The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, in that it took items from the news and satirized them. I'm very sorry to report that when I went down to the Museum of Television and Radio in Beverly Hills and tried to look up some of these programs, they had very little material. According to uh, our favorite blog, News From Me, by Mark Evanier, that was the week that was um, was pretty much made to disappear. It apparently made enemies in a lot of high places who did not go out of their way to make sure the show was recorded for posterity, which is very sad. We do note that according to Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, uh, one reason the show was made to disappear was that in 1964, certain people just didn't like it and thought they should buy Airtime for the Barry Goldwater campaign, and what better place to put those half-hour programs than to preempt? That was the week that was. Of course, there's always hope that some TV executive out there saved some um, some recordings of it, and they may eventually make their way onto YouTube. We hope so. Also, on November 24th, in this case, 1969, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty was signed by the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Eventually, 59 other nations would sign the treaty, which in the end did a great deal to prevent the spread of nuclear weapons in the world. On November 24th in 1971, a hijacker calling himself D.B. Cooper, actually he called himself Dan Cooper, and it was later mistranslated as D.B., parachuted from a Northwest Orient Airlines 727 airplane into a raging thunderstorm over Washington state with $200,000 in ransom money. Forty years later, what happened to D.B. Cooper is still a mystery. Although some of the ransom money did turn up in a stream bank up in Washington. And final item in the way of anniversaries, which probably deserves a little bit of separation from the rest of the crowd, was that it was on November 24th in 1859 that Darwin's Origin of the Species was first published. Darwin's origin of the species by means of natural selection was a groundbreaking scientific work. Darwin theorized that organisms gradually evolved through a process he called natural selection. Origin of species sold out immediately. It, of course, remains one of the cornerstones of modern biology. That, despite the efforts of a few right-wing goofballs who contend that their literal interpretation of the Bible is really all we need to explain the diversity of life on Earth. But uh, answering such crackpot theories, very definitively, we would say, is a new book by UC Davis' own professor of ophthalmology, Ivan R. Schwab. His new book, Evolution's Witness, How Eyes Evolved, is a topic we will attempt to examine next month. Noted Dr. Schwab in The Origin of Species, Darwin said to suppose that the eye with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. And although the anti-evolutionary forces love to quote that part, they leave out what comes next. Darwin goes on to say, Yet reason tells me, That if numerous gradations from perfect and complex eye to one very imperfect and simple, each grade being useful to its possessor can be shown to exist. If further, the eye does vary ever so slightly and the variations be inherited, which is certainly the case, and if any variation or modification of the origin be ever useful to an animal under changing conditions of life, then the difficulty of believing that a perfect and complex eye could be formed by natural selection is in the end not so difficult at all, to paraphrase slightly. Anyway, Dr. Schwab has written one hell of a book, and I'm looking forward to speaking with him about it, although i got to say, I'm putting to work my degrees in biology and medicine to keep up with his efforts here. We will will strive to make it a little more simple when we talk about it on radio because we don't have pictures, you know. I did have a chance to interview Dr. Schwab previously when he was a recipient of an Ig Nobel Award for his research paper on why it is that woodpeckers don't get headaches. I was over at Capital Public Radio on Insight. That, uh, that was a fun one. And uh, actually a pretty good bit of science. Uh, some of the Ig Nobel Awards are, are ridiculous. Some of them are just quirky. And I think that was among the, uh, the quirky but interesting uh, category. Our quote of the day... Comes from Albert Einstein, who said, The world is a dangerous place, not because of the people who are evil, but because of the people who don't do anything about it. And our quip of the day dovetails very well with that, I think, which comes from Benedict Spinoza. If you want to be different from the past, study the past. Our joke of the day is a continuation of our last joke of the day, which was an extended commentary by Mr. Dave Barry about. Serious art. Said Dave, at a recent art show, I saw a work of art consisting of a video repeated over and over showing a man, not in peak physical condition, I might add, rollerblading around a vast empty space, stark naked. I'm proud to say I betrayed no emotion while viewing this work, although my daughter, who was three at the time, said quite loudly, You can see his tushy, yuck! But she was young and had no art training. He went on, one of the more baffling works of art I saw at the Miami Beach Art Show was called Moonwalk. You walked into the space and it was empty, just blank white walls. Around the ceiling were half a dozen speakers making a high-pitched sonar sound like this. Boop! That was the art. Boop! Sitting outside in a folding chair was a gallery person smoking marlboros. I wondered what it would be like to fly all the way from Paris to Miami, only to spend four days sitting outside an empty shipping container going... Boop. There was another work that consisted of a hole drilled in the floor and some weeds stuck in it. I believe the price on that was $6,000. While I was examining it, I heard one serious art person say to another, and I swear, wouldn't that be wonderful in the foyer? Since this is a holiday show, let's do just, just, just a tad more Dave Barry, who noted, everything is being outsourced. In a few years, the only industry left in the United States will be reality television. A lot of people think that's bad. Congress recently tried to pass a law against outsourcing, only to discover that all federal legislation since 1997 has actually been produced in Taiwan. And speaking of things Chinese, we have our stat of the day, which is that China's producing millionaires at an unprecedented rate, but many of them won out. According to Asia Times, a survey of 980 Chinese millionaires reveals that 60% say they're considering emigrating or have already taken steps to do so. The most popular destinations are the U.S., Canada, and Singapore. Now, in the past, on this program, we've uh, taken a look at some of the myths that surround the holiday of Thanksgiving. We were tempted to do the same on this week's program, but got slightly sidetracked by a website I stumbled into titled. Top five Fox myths to debunk this Thanksgiving put out by moveon.org. And although it was recommended that uh, these are things you want to pull out when your conservative uncle corners you during the Thanksgiving holiday, and we, we, we don't think that's such a great idea. But we do want to quote myth number two, as perpetrated by Fox News, which was that nobody knows what Occupy Wall Street is about. Moveon.org notes that Occupy Wall Street may not have a formal list of demands. But anyone who's been paying attention understands the core problems that occupiers are protesting. That corporations have far too much power in our political system. That Wall Street banks crashed our economy but were never held accountable. And that the richest 400 Americans have more wealth than half of all Americans. 156 million people combined. And we probably should cite myth number four in the wake of events here at UC Davis of late which was that Occupy Wall Street is intent on provoking violence, especially against banks and the police. Noted MoveOn.org, The reality is that occupations across the country have committed themselves to nonviolent protest in the greatest traditions of protest movements. Some of the protests have been met with acts of police violence, tear gas, pepper spray, rubber bullets. But in many cases, protesters have reminded police that the police are part of the 99% too. And in the few cases when people have shown up at the occupations and committed acts of vandalism, other protesters have even repaired those acts of vandalism. And we'll have a bit more to say about what, uh, what happened here at UC Davis um, a little later in the program. But let us move to the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for bringing some sanity to the war on drugs. With the news that the president of Colombia, Juan Manuel Santos, is now calling for the worldwide legalization of marijuana and possibly cocaine as a way to end the international drug war. Said President Santos, a new approach should try and take away the violent profit that comes with drug trafficking. If that means legalizing and the world thinks that's the solution, I will welcome it. He added that decades of military and police efforts have failed to stamp out the massively profitable underground drug trade and that drug gangs continue to wreak havoc on Latin American countries. Well, this correspondent certainly agrees with that statement, except I wouldn't say Latin among the American countries. This might be a good point to interject that that opinion, like all the opinions heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. And a somewhat related story, we would note that it was a bad week last week for whoever sold the van After one Charles Preston of San Jose, California, discovered $500,000 worth of cocaine hidden in the used minivan he purchased for $14,000 last year. Preston reportedly quickly called police, who told him, you're so lucky, you'd be in jail for the rest of your life if you got searched in a traffic stop and they found this. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for the future of fracking with the following item from the Los Angeles Times as repeated in the week, which I will quote from in its entirety. Oklahoma had an average of about six small earthquakes a year until 2009, when there were 50. Last year, there were 1,047. And on November 5th, the state was rocked by a magnitude 5.6 quake. Residents are now asking whether Oklahoma's 185,000 drilling wells, particularly those used in fracking, are contributing to the burst of seismic activity. Well now, that's a good question, isn't it? The fracking story, of course, is not going to go away, and we're going to continue to talk about it on this program. And you know, Radio Parallax's first segment just wouldn't end properly, I think, without hearing from our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here in my guise
1: as a 40-foot helium balloon to kickstart our national parade of giving thanks. That's right, Turkey Holocaust Day is right around the corner. And to be honest, a little tryptophan poisoning might be the perfect antidote to trying times like these. Especially comforting when you consider that this holiday isn't about greasing the wheels of capitalism with the fire hose of consumer debt, like that other holiday about a month down the road which shall remain nameless. This one doesn't hide under any religious robes, either. It's purely about gluttony, food, family, friends, and football. Four of the five F's. So allow me to express my gratitude for the fourth Thursday of November, one of the little things that makes life worth living. And here's some other examples of what a middle-aged, round-headed political comic gives thanks for. For Dick Cheney. Six heart attacks, and the man goes on a book tour. How does a guy without a heart have six heart attacks? It would be like Rick Perry contracting a brain tumor. For Rick Perry who suffered a 53-second brain freeze on national TV. 53 seconds. It only took the Niners eight seconds longer to score two touchdowns last Sunday. The Niners for Bill Clinton, who refuses to go away. God bless him. For Michelle Bachman and her Newsweek cover shot, which made her look spooky. Her supporters complained that they cherry-picked a spooky photo on purpose, so the magazine put the entire photo shoot online saying, which one would you have picked? And they all shut up. For Pat Robertson, who said that the Republican presidential field is too extreme. Pat Robertson said that. Well, it's like having your drug intervention hosted by Lindsay Lohan. And Charlie Sheen is driving the van. For Barack Obama... Because no matter what you think of his policies, you got to admire his ability not to get involved in them. And finally, for George W. Bush, who established a think tank. Let me repeat that: the George W. Bush think tank. You can't make stuff up like this. See, life is good. For Radio Parallax, I thankfully remain Will Durst. <laughs>
0: All right, we got lots more fun stuff. Stick around. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.